as I uh, said last week, uh, the title of today's sermon is Consider Abraham. And to do that, we turn to Galatians chapter 3. As always, I'd encourage you to have your Bibles open at that passage of Scripture as we come to consider it. And let's pray. Father, it's uh, not without reason that we are told in this scripture to consider Abraham, the man of faith. And as we seek to do that now, we, we pray for your spirit to grant to us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to love and, and wills to obey what you bring to our attention. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Unless you only watch the ABC, uh, you can't get away from advertisements, can you? And even the ABC has their own sort of style of advertisements. But whatever sort of advertisement it is, there's a purpose to it, isn't there? Uh, What would you consider the purpose of advertisements to be? If we, uh, for instance, if we took uh, the advertisements that you see uh, that have to do with cars, with motor vehicles, uh, what's the message behind each of those ads? Well, surely the message is, buy me, buy this product. And uh, consider all the advantages of, of buying a Holden or a, or a Honda or a Hyundai or whatever. That's the purpose of an advertisement. And, and what is true for cars, of course, is true for all sorts of other products, isn't it? Now, I don't want to suggest that, that faith is a product, but I do want to bring in this idea of of consideration because considerations are not limited to material things. And as we uh, once again return to Paul's letter to the Galatians, uh, the Christians in that town or that area, they're being asked to consider Abraham. Consider Abraham. And Paul is asking them to do that in the context of urging them to consider how they themselves first came to be in a right relationship with God. How did it come about? He did that, you might remember, in the first five verses of chapter 3 through a series of questions. Did you receive the Spirit, he asks them, by observing the law or by believing what you heard? That was in verse 2. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? That was the question in verse 3. And does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Verse 5. And he may well have asked, he may well have asked, have you considered Abraham? How do you think Abraham, you people of Galatia, how do you think Abraham came to be in a right relationship with God? And he could perhaps have even asked them a follow-up question. When you consider Abraham, what makes you think your relationship with God can be any different or come about in any other way? Well then, let's, let's do as Paul calls us to do. Let's consider Abraham and do it by asking three questions. Three questions. The first being, how was Abraham credited with righteousness. How was Abraham credited with righteousness? 
But before we get to that question, let me just ask a subsidiary one or something for you to ponder. Why did Paul choose Abraham for our consideration? Well, why not Moses? Moses, the great lawgiver and leader of the Israelites. Why not David, the, the greatest of the kings of Israel? Well, I suggest to you that great as those two men were, in many ways, Abraham was greater still. Abraham, in fact, was the first Jew, the one referred to by the Jews as our father, Abraham, meaning the first of all the Jews. Abraham was the first of those whom we call the patriarchs, along with Isaac and Jacob, the founding fathers of Israel. And, of course, without Abraham, there would have been no nation of Israel, no Moses, and no David. And that's why I suggest to you there may be other reasons, but those at least is why we are to consider Abraham. And the way in which Abraham was credited with righteousness or granted right standing with God becomes of enormous importance and significance. Because as it was for Abraham, so it would be for all who came after him. Now, surely the answer to the question, how was Abraham credited with righteousness, is very straightforward. Because there we have it in verse 6b, don't we? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Yet, yet we need to understand what those words credited with righteousness mean. Uh, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I wonder how, how much you look forward to receiving your monthly or quarterly bank statement. Almost, always much better to have a credit balance than the debit balance, isn't there? Much better to be in the black than in the red. Uh, well, the word credited that Paul uses here is a word that comes from the world of finance. And therefore, we perhaps need to ask ourselves, uh, uh, I need to ask you, uh, how is your account, as it were, how is your account with God? Uh, if it's in the red, how do you get it out of the red and into the black? How do you keep it there? And that's what, why Paul wants us to consider Abraham. Now let me change the question from how was Abraham justified before God to how wasn't. You know, let's get rid of the negatives. So when you see these police shows, they're interviewing people and just say, they, we want to take you out of the equation. We want to eliminate you from our inquiries. Well, uh, what can we eliminate from the ways... Abraham was credited with righteousness. And it's here that the, the chronology, uh, the timeline of Abraham's life is significant, as are, I suggest, even the chapter numbers in Genesis, because it's the book of Genesis which, of course, contains uh, the history of Abraham. Now, where does this quote come from that Paul uses in, in chapters, uh, chapter 3, verse 6 of, of Galatians, He's, it's there in quotation marks. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. If you look down the bottom, there's a footnote and it says, 
that that comes from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Now please bear that in mind as I ask you these questions. Was Abraham credited with righteousness because he was circumcised? Well, the answer is no. And how do we know the answer is no? Because he wasn't circumcised until Genesis chapter 17. That's two chapters, and in fact many years later, than Genesis chapter 15. Was Abraham credited with righteousness because of his willingness to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice? Again, the answer is no. And why is the answer no? Because that didn't happen. You don't read about that until Genesis chapter 22. That's many years and many chapters later than chapter 15. Well then, was Abraham credited with righteousness because he observed the law? And again, the answer is no. Why is the answer no? Because the law wasn't given until the time of Moses, which is a whole book, and many, many years, hundreds of years later than Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. So that gets rid of all the, the possibilities and just leaves us with that simple question, how then was Abraham credited with righteousness? And it's simple, isn't it? He believed God. He believed God. And Genesis 15, of course, tells us what it was he believed, if we read all of that chapter. He believed that God would do the impossible, could do and would do the impossible. And that's why we had the reading from Hebrews chapter 11. Remember what it said? By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, what was he, 100? And Sarah herself was barren. She was, what, 90? Even so, he was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless on the sand as the sand on the seashore. How was Abraham declared to be righteous? He believed God. And that leads us to the second question, doesn't it? Who are the children of Abraham? Who are the children of Abraham? Now, some of you may have learnt from our times here that uh, Barbara and I are into genealogy. You know, the who-do-you-think-you-are type of person. And we have a computer program that enables us to put each person in his or her correct place in the family tree. And just out of interest, uh, some time ago, I decided, well, look, I'm going to draw myself up a bit of a biblical family tree. So I typed in Adam... And then I added Eve as his wife and worked my way forward. And eventually, of course, I came to Abraham. And Abraham is very interesting. You know, of course, that Abraham had three wives. And he had children by each of them. Now, when I say three wives, I'm counting Hagar, who was Sarah's maid. I'm counting her as a wife. And through Hagar, Abraham had Ishmael. And from him are descended the Ishmaelites and, of course, down to today's Arabs. 
Sarah was his original wife. And through her, in her old age, Abraham had Isaac. And from him are descended the Israelites. And that brings us, of course, down to today's Jews. And after Sarah died, Abraham married Keturah. And through her, Abraham had Zimram, Jokshan, Medah, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Not names that we're familiar with. And from them are descended uh, such groups as the Midianites. And as I understand it, through those to, again, many of today's Arabs. Now, all of them can legitimately claim to be children of Abraham, can't they? Well, actually, yes and no. Physically, yes. Spiritually, not necessarily. Because Paul has put a proviso on the qualifications. Verse 7. Understand then that those who believe, those who believe are children of Abraham. Perhaps we could put it this way. My, my genealogical research shows that I'm a descendant of Alfred the Great, I hope you've heard of him, and William the Conqueror, and I hope you've heard of him. They are both kings. But even though I'm a descendant of them, that doesn't automatically make me a king. Well, so it is with the modern-day descendants of Abraham. Paul put it this way when he wrote to the, Jew, to the Christians in Rome. He said, a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit. And I don't think it's wrong to replace the words Jew with Christian and circumcision with baptism. A man is not a Christian if he's only one outwardly, nor is baptism merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Christian if he is one inwardly, and baptism is baptism of the heart by the Spirit. So the most significant then thing about Abraham then is not his race, not even his physical descendants, but his faith. His faith. In fact, you know, in biblical terminology, Abraham was a Gentile to begin with. Before him and his calling by God, there were no Jews. And it's the faith that parallels Abraham's that makes a person a true child of Abraham. It's the faith that takes God at his word and believes the seemingly impossible. And you know, that's great news for people like you and me. We don't have to be able to produce a family tree that shows our descent from royalty. It doesn't matter if our family tree research uncovers convict ancestors. What matters is your faith and in whom it is placed. And that leads us to our third question. Who announces or who declares these things? And I ask that question because it's all very well for me to be up here and to saying these things to you, but, but why should you believe them? Not because I say them, of course, but because the scripture announces or declares them. 
But it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Paul uses the who. He says the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. How, how can the scripture be a who? How can the scripture, the written word, foresee? Surely it's God himself who foresees and announces. Well, you know, this touches upon a very important part of, of Christian teaching. Augustine, way, way back in the 4th century, I think he was, he summarised it this way. He said, what scripture says... God says what scripture says, God says. And, and that's really an echo of what Paul wrote to Timothy. All scripture, not just parts of it, but all scripture is inspired by God or is God-breathed is the literal translation. So Paul is in effect here, he's, he's personifying scripture, isn't he? It was really God who foresaw and his foreseeing is recorded in his word. But we see this interchange in other places as well. When Paul wrote to the Romans, uh, he did this sort of thing. But, uh, and because he was quoting from Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, which if you looked up, it would say, It is God who says to Pharaoh, But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And in Exodus 9.16, God says that. The words are attributed to him. But in Romans 9.17, Paul uses exactly the same words, except he says that it's scripture that says to Pharaoh. What the scripture says, God says. And it's for this reason and on this basis that our Presbyterian ancestors came to this conclusion found in the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, says this, the authority of the Holy Scripture does not depend on the testimony of any man or church, but entirely on God, its author, who is truth itself. Therefore, Holy Scripture is to be received, believed and obeyed because it is the word of God. What a glorious truth it was that the scripture foresaw, if we get back to our verse. God would justify the Gentiles by faith. What a glorious truth. In exactly the same way as Abraham himself was justified or declared righteous or had righteousness credited to him, so it is for you and me. There is one little difference, of course. Abraham looked forward to the Christ who was to come. And we're told in, in the gospel that he, that he saw Christ's day and rejoiced. Whereas we look back to him who has come. But we rejoice too. And I wonder if you noticed that Paul is saying that the gospel didn't begin with Christ's coming didn't begin with Christ's coming. It was announced to Abraham some 2,000 years before Christ's coming. And it's still being announced some 2,000 years after his coming. What a wonderful demonstration of the truth that all nations have been, are being, and will be blessed 
through Abraham. And just what does the gospel declare and announce? Well, let me quickly and briefly quote two men. Peter Barnes, first of all, who says, Works never saved anyone. Not Abraham, not the Galatians, not us. If you are justified before God now, it is because Christ shed his blood for you. And that's exactly how Abraham was justified. The only difference is that Abraham looked to the Christ who was to come. You look to him who has come. And Isaac Watts, who has many hymns in our hymn book. I don't know that this one is. This verse, he said, No more, my God, I boast no more of all the duties I have done. I quit the hopes I held before to trust the merits of your son. Is that what you're doing? That's the way to be justified before God, the only way. And then brings us to verse 9 in conclusion. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I wonder, have you, have you ever thought, I wonder what it would be like if I read the Bible and found my name there. And I don't mean in the family tree sections because there are genealogies in the scriptures. But would it be good just to have, find your name there? Well, what if your name was Cain? or Esau, or Jezebel, or Achan, or Nabal, or Sapphira, or Judas Iscariot. Would you be thrilled to bits that your name was there? See, just to have your name there wouldn't be sufficient, would it? It would be no guarantee that you were blessed. It would only be a blessing if it was accompanied by some positive description. Like the positive description we have here. Abraham the man of faith. Then, if your name was there instead of Abraham's, that would be good. Because that would be a guarantee, God's guarantee of blessing. But look, whether you, your name is actually written there or not, if you have the faith of Abraham, then the blessings are guaranteed to you. The blessing of having your sins forgiven. The blessing of being cleansed from unrighteousness, the blessings of receiving the gift of eternal life, blessings that can be yours but only through faith in the Lord Jesus. So why would you look? Why would you look for salvation anywhere else but in Christ? Why look for the reception of that salvation in any way but through faith? If you have to be saved, that is, to be one of those who is blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, then it will be and can only be by grace, God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then that would be a real blessing, wouldn't it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderfully clear, straightforward statement in the scriptures that Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. And we thank you that the scriptures make it clear that all who have that same faith will also have it credited to them as righteousness. Lord, grant us, we pray, that faith 
that faith that enabled Abraham to, to leave his homeland, that enabled him and Sarah to have a, a child in their own age, that faith that enabled him to even be prepared to offer Isaac up as a sacrifice. Lord, grant us such a faith, we pray. Not that our faith is strong, but that you are the great God in whom to put our faith is a wonderful and blessed thing to do. O oh Lord, grant us such a faith, we pray in Jesus' name.